you are controlling the classroom. Yes, I am friendly with you, but in the end, I am your superior and towing that line and making sure there is I am the superior, they are the student, and not becoming friends with them, but have a working relationship with them. That is Matt O'May from Manchester Essex Middle School talking about his experience as a first-year teacher. Join us and get schooled with Mr. S. everybody. Welcome to the Get Schooled podcast. I'm Mr. S. It's definitely a crazy time out there and an even crazier time to be a first-year teacher. I'm so excited to have our guest on the program today, Matt O'May, and Matt's going to talk about the joys, the challenges, teaching on Zoom, teaching in person, and trying to make sense of it all, and everything in between. He's a first-year teacher, but he's a rising star in education. And we're excited to have him coming up on the Get School podcast with Mr. S. When I got into the podcast game, I had no idea what I was doing. I needed advice, someone to bounce ideas off of, and someone to handle all the back-end production work. Bearcat Group helped guide me through the process. They work with me on the feel of the show, rundowns, and help set up all the equipment in my house. They even helped me create my show's artwork and social handles. I was in good hands with the team at Bearcat Group. They really worked hard to make me feel comfortable. Bearcat Group offers experienced editors and engineers, professional producers, and a totally virtual production process. 24-hour turnaround time on recordings, publishing, and distribution options. They even have equipment you can rent if needed. Now that Get Schooled with Mr. S is up and running, they produce, edit, and publish the podcast, leaving me just to worry about the content of the show. If you are looking to start an audio or video podcast, check them out, bearcatgroup.com, and speak with them about your vision, and they'll make it happen. That's bearcatgroup.com. They make podcasting easy. Very excited to interview our next guest. He is a rookie teacher. Uh, his name is Matt O'May. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing, Mr. S? Doing well? What a time to be a year one teacher, Matt. What do you think? It's 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 definitely different, especially uh, finally getting back into the classroom recently. Uh, it's been a major adjustment from coming completely remote as my first year and now doing the hybrid so it's been a lot of changes along the way. Can you give the audience a, a sense of how you landed as a teacher? What, what was your background? What were your interests? And um, a little bit about your career background. Yeah. So uh, originally, I think the first time I was very passionate about at least being in or working in a school district was when I was in high school. And I would love to coach baseball, hockey, and I felt the best way to get involved would be by trying to teach. Um, so I, I went to UMass Amherst. I took education courses during there and I got my degree uh, in history. Decided then to get my MTELs right after I graduated from school. But during that time, I was never really able to travel. So that's when I decided to go to Europe and tutor English over there as a second language, which really opened my eyes for different cultures and really helped me prepare for today and prepare lessons uh for the first time over there, originally preparing for English. 
So once I decided I really loved it over there, I got my master's degree at University of Amsterdam, uh, getting a little bit of a different culture over there, a different perspective on how Europeans view the United States, which I thought was very influential for how I want to teach going forward of global citizenship and coming together. And finally, I eventually moved back last, not last August, but the August before. And that's where I landed on my feet, was able to get a job as a TA in the sale program at Merds. And then um, your big break, so to speak, came um, this past summer, did it not? Yes, yes, no, definitely. Uh, luckily enough, I was added on to the Merge 7 teaching team as a long-term substitute. And uh, I just finished last week about the first 90 days, which has been, again, quite interesting from having two or three months remote and now switching into that high flex hybrid model. Um, but it's, it definitely has been eye-opening, a big break, definitely. I didn't originally apply for that position. I originally applied for another position at the school, but fortunate enough, another position opened up. They liked me enough and were able to offer me that position instead. I see your career arc similar to an assistant coach, a defensive coordinator of the NFL, now is the head coach. So what do you think of the major differences between being that second adult in the room versus being the man? Um, definitely controlling the classroom, disciplinary issues of me being a younger teacher of kids trying to almost befriend myself and keeping that line in the sand and making sure there's still order in the classroom. And then also um, creating the lessons, having more control over that, not working as much with kids individually and how can I touch more kids in general when I am in front of the class or generating discussion or debate. Um, so trying to institute those things more often and having the background now of working as a TA, of thinking about the special ed kids that are in the classroom, and how can I appeal to everybody and be able to connect with everyone. You connect very well with the 12, 13 age group. I've seen it a lot, but imagine that's double-edged sword too. Can you speak about how that's a pro, but also a con as, uh, for not only you, but uh, new teachers in general? No, absolutely. Uh, I'd say it's a pro again of gaining their trust, but the con of it all is, like I said, becoming too much of their friend and them thinking of you as a friend rather than a a teacher or in the same stratosphere as their parent that you are controlling the classroom. Yes, I am friendly with you, but in the end, I am your superior and towing that line and making sure there is, I am the superior, they are the student and not becoming friends with them, but have a working relationship with them. And how do you think the students have responded to that? Um, I think fairly well. Um, I would say there's some students that take a little bit more prodding and a little bit more, hey, we need to buckle down and work. I understand we have had fun having good conversations over Zoom, but now that we're in the classroom, we need to be able to move along. I have you only two days a week. So it's establishing that inside the classroom along with on Zoom as well of calling out and just having an orderly process in class so everyone can be heard in class. The only thing I can relate to in my year one was right after 9-11. So I was a rookie teacher right after 9-11. And obviously, I was aware of 9-11. You could not be. But I had that head down mentality. Though only like two months later did I really see the enormity of what had happened tragically, obviously, on 9-11. Do you pay attention to the COVID world? Do you, do you, do you block it out? Are you that focused on the work? I talked a little bit about that. 
Um, definitely focus on the COVID world. Uh, I have friends in the healthcare system that um, are able to tell me a little bit about it and how serious it is. So I do try to take precautions and make sure I haven't been going out, haven't traveled out of state, anything like that, because I wouldn't want to be that person to bring it into the classroom. The last thing I'd want to do is get my students sick. So, of course, I'm definitely paying attention to it, being conscious of it in the classroom. That's another big thing about being back in the classroom is one of the challenges of these kids not seeing each other. Maintaining that six foot distance inside the building is definitely very challenging. But I'm definitely conscious of it and especially being an ancient civ and history teacher of what's going on in the world in general, which students have been bringing up in class, which has been a whole nother similar situation, I'd say maybe to 9-11, but maybe not to that magnitude. But it's um, it's interesting being a history teacher right now as well. And then you really haven't had the opportunity to run the classroom in the format that, you know, we all know and grown up with that your class is in front of you and you teach the class. So the year started fully remote and now it's, I don't know, about half and half. How did you navigate first the fully remote phase and then the changeover when people started to come in? So the fully, the fully remote phase, I tried to use that chunking method of, again, them being stuck in front of the computer. How long are they going to actually be paying attention to the screen? So again, five, seven minute, maybe segments like that, mixing in different types of media. If that's trying to make history tangible, I find that's maybe the most difficult part. You think of these ancient places as far in history and gone. A lot of times students will ask me, is, does, do these places still exist? Do people still live in Egypt? And being mm. able to bring in those models and show them, you know, people are still making papyrus today, things that we didn't have even five or 10 years ago and having to utilize them now has opened up a lot of doors for when we are fully back in the classroom of bringing that in as well. But like you were alluding to with the multiple screens now with students in front of me, the students at home, it's definitely a challenge of trying to set out the fires that are in front of you, along with giving the people at home a quality response if they have questions, if they do raise their hand. Um, but trying to be admin on both of them. Luckily, I've been on uh, Google Classroom before, luckily last year, but even before that in college, I was on Moodle, Blackboard. So I have some sort of experience with those programs before and how to navigate that. And I think some of those practices that I've learned, I've been able to try to pass on to the kids. Again, being 12 or 13 years old, it's a little bit hard with executive functioning, but trying to guide them in the right direction. What's the biggest surprise uh, of your first year as a full-time teacher, would you say? Um, I would say the biggest surprise is you're not just teaching. It's the other work on top of it of accommodating, um, filling out reports. I mean, going into it, being a student in seventh or eighth grade, you just think, oh, you know, the teacher comes in, they teach, they go home. But there's so much more to that, the planning, working after school, collaborating with other teachers, trying to find the best way for each student to succeed. Um, I, again, going into it blindly, I assumed it was more individualized. I'm really focusing on my class, but I really do like being able to talk to everyone on my team and be able to talk about students and see how they click and what is best for them to learn or how can I establish a relationship with them to get them to buy into what I am teaching them. You know, you have a very supportive veteran team. I, I also would say that a lot of us are kind of in that year one status again. We had to learn Zoom. Now we have to learn Zoom and people all at once. So so I think there's something to be said for that. But um, 
What's your greatest accomplishment of year one, would you say, as a teacher? Um, I think the great, that's, that's a very good question. My that's greatest, why I asked it. <laughs> uh, my greatest accomplishment, I would say, is being able to last the 90 days, um, being able to, I think for the most part from when I've talked to students that they enjoyed the class and most of all, I just want them to enjoy it. If they can enjoy it, maybe they don't like me as a teacher, but if they find the subject matter at least interesting and I can get them to buy into it and buy into the classroom, that's what I find most satisfying. Uh, I would say just the connections I've developed along the way and being able to hear from students and get feedback from them and them to trust me would probably be my greatest achievement is building those bonds, which I thought were going to be very difficult. And so far, I think it's worked out. Do you have an inner circle that you can just uh, unload after a tough day or a difficult class, difficult student? Who is that? How do you handle that? Um, so, I mean, a difficult day, I usually first, if it's something in the classroom, I share with the team, make sure if it's something I could fix or if something I've done or Maybe they have suggestions being veteran teachers. They can they can pass something on to me that I could use. Then after that, if it's more moral support, I usually do talk to my parents. They've been super supportive going into this. I originally, you know, was skeptical of going into it first time teaching remote. Uh, I've never done it before besides just being in the classroom last year. And that was even cut short. And they told me, you know, go for it. Just like going over to Europe, it's always to reach your full potential. You need to be uncomfortable and challenge yourself. And that was, they were the ones that were able to push me to do that. Along with the teachers last year, I was able to work with, definitely chipped in and really helped me morally and just feeling well about going into the year and the support that I was given. You know, I was thinking about that too, because as a young teacher myself, I really never had that level of uh, support. So when I see teachers newer to the profession like you, we, we, uh, my t- our team, we want to have your back. You know, we've been through it. There's nothing that you've done or did do that we probably didn't do early on in our career. So we feel as a team that's very important to keep good young people. So, so I appreciate you saying that. Um, it, it, it's it's one of those things like you know, it's like you dive ahead for two yards some days, but it's better than, you know what I mean? So you improve upon it every day. And it sounds like you're very reflective about what went well, what didn't go well. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, Especially with the tech in the classroom now and the flow of the lesson. Again, even going back to discipline, how that will be handled in the classroom while continuing to teach and not having to have a full stop and reset, find where I'm at. And while... because while this is all happening, I do have students on the computer. So it's it's a lot of managing and finding my way, like you said, two yards ahead some days, five yards ahead in some days, maybe a yard back, but then two yards forward, but always trying to push forward. The tech is a temptation I, I see a lot more now than I did, obviously, 20 years ago. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Is the tech beneficial? Is it harmful? Is it somewhere in between? How do you assess the student use of tech? Um, I definitely think it has its it's a double edged sword. Um, with especially with this generation, with the screens already in front of them. Um, never mind. I'm sure at your guys' age, you guys didn't even have cell phones. When I was in seventh grade, that's when I got my first cell phone, and it was a flip phone. Now we're having kids bring in phones into schools. They need to have their laptops in order to talk to the students at home. 
And it's, it's tough to monitor them. I can't go up six feet and see what they are doing on the laptop. So in that sense, I believe it is detrimental. But for making history tangible, different resources online that I can provide for the students that maybe we didn't have access to before, there's been a lot of different 3D models and virtual tours of places that we've been able to take, which again, if I, if I had maybe even better technology, I know there's VR and things to that nature where I've talked to students where they've downloaded apps and they've been doing these virtual tours and they really do enjoy them. Um, but like you said, at the same time, you, you have another tab. They know how to click in and out. So I think it is a double-edged sword. When we're back fully in person, I definitely would like to integrate into the classroom, but I wouldn't want to have laptops out or have the option, option to use laptops or phones if that was the case in a regular school year. Do you model yourself after teachers that you had that you particularly liked? Uh, definitely. Definitely. I definitely do. I, there's a couple teachers where they wrote me recommendations for college and they were history teachers. One of them was my middle school baseball coach and my modern European history teacher. And I definitely looked up to them, really liked how they taught the class. They were straightforward, honest. They're having honest conversations. And this was a different time that I was a senior in high school than 12, 13, but I definitely looked up to them and eventually maybe reaching that point of being able to impact more people that way and have conversations with people and be able to push them in the right direction. And of your friends, do you have friends in the teaching profession of similar age or uh, experience in the profession right now? Yeah, so I, I have one actually uh, at the school. Uh, Mr. Ice is one of the music teachers, and we actually graduated together in a small world from Groton Dunstable. Uh, but I do have a couple friends that are in high school, and she's having a completely different process than one of my friends who is a first grade teacher. Uh, so she's the first grade teacher struggled with the online component, you know, keeping the kids on the screen. She's done her best. Uh, they're back in the classroom. They were back in a, quite a bit earlier than we were at MERDS, but um, she's still enjoying it. She's loving being with the kids, but still the six feet and being nervous about you know, where where is everyone going, the contact tracing, kind of the hysteria of it all is a bit nerve wracking of being in the classroom. I, 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 the COVID era is like something I have never seen before. And the idea that to be a first year teacher on top of it all, it's a lot, isn't it? It definitely is. It's, it's a lot to think about healthcare wise, trying to, again, now we're going to stage two where hopefully we can get the vaccine. I don't know what, I don't even know what the process is of that. So it's a lot going on trying to figure out what is best for me, what is best for my students. And then even checking with my family, I have grandparents that are down in North Carolina and they're 88 and 84. So they're on the more severe side. They got one of their shots, but it's just, again, a lot of concern. Um, and even just your coworkers as well. They have a lot going on as well. And I think everyone's just a bit nervous. They want this to pass and hopefully we can get some sort of normalcy back maybe by the summer and hopefully by September for next school year. Just to let the audience know where we are in Massachusetts, uh, educators are in phase two of the vaccine, but in the third level of phase two. So there are some states where it was a phase one, not yet in Massachusetts. So it, it's certainly, a, you know, it's something that we just have to try to stay healthy and, and wait it out for sure. Yep. I completely agree, Keith. Uh, and also I, I just think even too with the testing and 
what's going on with the contact tracing. It's a lot for everyone to undertake and it's a lot for the school system to undertake. And again, for people trying to follow those rules, not leaving the state, staying indoors, trying to do their part. It's, it's a lot of work, but hopefully, again, it gets to that end goal of being fully back in the classroom. It's obviously a crazy year with COVID and being a first-year teacher, teaching to in-person and computer at the same time. Have you had a chance to share a funny story or two with your inner circle? Uh, yeah, I've definitely I've shared a couple of students sharing things in breakout rooms, which were, you know, they're testing the limits, especially the first couple weeks of remote learning while I'm still trying to figure it out. So uh, definitely had a couple stories of kids, you know, especially fantasy football's kicking off. So I'm popping in. We're supposed to be sharing current events and they're talking about trades. Well, that is a current event, right? Their fantasy lined up for Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what they try to write it off to me as. But again, uh, I was trying to bring them back in and I get to they. a lot of them haven't been able to interact with each other over the summer. But there's definitely been a few of those, some fantasy basketball. And then also, you know, get you get the occasional boy that strays away uh, a little bit inappropriately. So you have to get that back in order. That's the part, Matt, where you're laughing inside because it's funny, but you have to put that teacher mm-hmm. face on because it is inappropriate. So we're not doing that right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So and then uh, I think another thing, you know, as men, we are in the minority percentage-wise, but there are more of us at the secondary level. Do you see like the boys look up to you? Because I, I do see that in the hallway. Do you, do you feel that connection with the boys? Uh, I definitely feel that with some of them, and I hope I can do that to everyone. I think ideally as a teacher, you need to be that role model for someone to look up to. You don't know what their home situation's like. You don't know what they are escaping from home, and maybe school is their getaway. And just trying to be supportive, allow them to talk and speak their mind, share their opinions, and just have an open dialogue and be honest with them. I think that's the biggest thing is being honest. Um, telling them when something is wrong, how they can fix it, and putting my best foot forward as an educator to give them the tools to succeed. And I think that's what we're all trying to do for our seventh grade team. If someone came into your class, didn't know you at all, what would be points of pride? What what, what are you most proud of? What what should they look for in your classroom? Um, So I would say going into the school year when I was talking to my class, a big thing was talking about how um, since I'm teaching ancient civilizations, I, I've been to some of these places and talking about how, you know, there's a lot more to the world than just Massachusetts. I, I told them at 12, 13 years old, I never would have thought I would have left the United States. I never thought I would have lived on my own in Rome and going to Amsterdam and traveling to all these different places and meeting all these different people and different cultures. And there's just so much more to Massachusetts. And if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be the person I am today and where I am now. Um, and if I don't do that, uh, I, it's another situation of me not challenging myself. And I think that's kind of what set this whole education process in uh, motion of being able to work with kids, have an impact on them and be able to just do something different every single day. It's a different conversation, talking with different people. And it's always interesting. It's always interesting, which is amazing. What was the best part about living overseas? Uh, I would say the best part would be seeing what they think of the United States and their view of it and how the United States in general should be 
kind of held in the world where where they do need us or where they do need leadership, what we think as people in our our perspectives of it all. And then also just, uh, I would say, the different cultures, different food, way of life, how in Italy, the work week's only 30 hours. They have a two-hour lunch break, but they're not making as much money. And it's just mm-hmm. different to see how people can be happy with, you don't need much money to be happy, or as long as you're enjoying what you're doing, that's all that you do need. And I saw a lot of that in Europe because they do talk about how you know, it's work, work, work. We have the longest school days in the U.S. And a lot of times in Europe, I, I was seeing those kids, they're out at 12, 1 o'clock. And it was about working after school and independent work rather than being in the classroom. So it was interesting to see different perspectives of it all compared to U.S. life. What would you like your students to say about you? That I was able to let them have fun when they can, but they're able to learn and crack down when they needed to. Uh, they are able to articulate themselves and express themselves and feel comfortable in the classroom most of all. Just feeling comfortable, feeling like it's a safe place for them to share their opinions, share their thoughts. And if they have any problems coming up to me, coming up to any of the other seventh grade teachers or any of our other staff as well. You're a year one teacher, so this it might be a crazy question because you're trying to think about tomorrow, but do you see yourself doing this for 35 years or do you might you pivot in a different direction? Um, I could see myself doing this for this long. I don't know, maybe this age the entire time. I really love this age right now, and I think I could see myself doing this age for another 10 or 15 years. Um, maybe then making that next step and challenge myself in high school. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I've always had the aspiration to uh, teach internationally. Um, my cousins lived in Beijing for about eight years and were uh, taught, got taught at international schools. And they've sent a lot of things my way of coming over to China or teaching in the Netherlands again or Italy, something like that, where I could teach international students would be quite interesting. I just, uh, We'll see what the future holds, but right now I'm very happy where I am. I, I could do this for quite quite a long time. Well, I know we feel the same way. We're just so happy to have good young people in our profession, Matt. It's been so great uh, to have you on the Get Schooled podcast, and um, great job. Awesome, Keith. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and thank you again, Merge, and my whole seventh grade team for helping me this year. I wouldn't be able to do it without you all. A big thanks to Matt O'May for joining us on the Get School podcast with Mr. S. Matt is a first-year teacher with a bright future in education. I hope you enjoyed his appearance on the show. We're starting a new segment. Raise your hand. Have a question? Have a comment? You can email us at getschooledwithmrs at gmail.com. Love to hear from you soon. That's a wrap for this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Or connect with us on email. Get schooled with Mr. S at gmail.com. Today's show was produced and edited by the Bearcat Group. Music by Patrick Patricios. Thanks for listening to Get Schooled with Mr. S. See you next time.